Good evening, brothers and sisters. If we could uh, quiet down and focus our attention on on uh, the service at hand. Uh, I want to start off by reading a verse from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 33. Um, I'll even start at 30. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things should be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Um, I was at a camp this past weekend, and as many of you know, it was called the M20 camp, young adults camp, uh, whatever you want to call it. And our topic was, was the storehouse. And our hearts are, are, acts as a sort of a storehouse in which we're able to store either good things or bad things. And one of the things that we touched on uh, during the camp was, was our priorities. How do our priorities affect the things that we store up in our hearts? If we prioritize our jobs, our ambitions, our, our desires, everything above God, and we just go out and do our things and, and um, get so caught up in, in trying to uh, work our own things in life, we, we, we don't prioritize God in our lives anymore. And we are reminded here in Matthew 6, 33, seek, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So tonight, um, I just want to encourage you guys, for these next hour and a half, let's just put away our phones, put away our, our thoughts, put away our just, um, just I don't know, talking to your friend, and just kind of focus on God for these next hour and a half. Uh, we have all day to do our things. We have all day to, you know, check our Instagram, check our Snapchat. But let's put off this next half hour and just focus on God. Let's seek his presence. And let's, uh, let's, uh, let's yeah, just focus on God. Uh, so we can stand up and we'll have a short prayer and we'll go into worship. Uh, praise God, youth. I just wanted to share a couple of thoughts that I had today. Um, so today at work, I had, a, I had a really good day at work. I had coffee in the morning. Uh, everything was going really well. I had a good amount of sleep tonight. I felt really appreciated at work. I felt like, you know, people were looking up to me and all this other stuff. And uh, I work construction, so um, there's a lot of noise. And it's like, it's really deafening noise. You're wearing earplugs and you're standing next to the person, and you're screaming in his ear to try to communicate with that person, and you cannot hear each other at all. It's really hard to hear. And so today at work, I was just singing like at the top of my voice because I know no one's going to hear me. And I'm just singing away, and I'm working outside, and like all you hear is just Peter doing this and just... And then I was singing, and I was praying, and just praising God. Like, and this thought came into my head, like how easy it is to praise God when we're having a good day. How easy it is to worship and just give them all the best when we're in a good mood. And this thought just came into my head, like, what if you had a bad day? 
What if you were having a bad week, a bad month? Maybe your whole entire year has been really, really rough. Are you still going to give that same amount of praise to God that he deserves? Because um, I, I was thinking about it, I was like, what am I most thankful about? Not, not only because, you know, stuff is going great today, but at the root of it, I was just thanking God for salvation. And I think if we do not have, if we don't see that joy in salvation, if we don't see the importance of our salvation in Christ, we're not going to be happy. You know, if, if we're always setting our mind on the things of this earth, if we're putting our hope into the things of this earth, we're never going to be happy. My hope is not on the things of this earth. My joy does not come from the things of this earth. My joy comes that I will be one day with Christ. My joy that, and my hope is that one day I will be with him. And if I keep going on that, I'll just remain joyful and be praising God. If I get weighed down with like, and today we're going to be talking about God's will for our life, I believe. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hope so. So we're going to be talking about God's will for our life. So if you're like, God, I don't see your will for my life right now. I don't see how you're working everything for my good. I don't see really how you're leading me in this direction or that direction. And you're down and you're just like, oh, you know, this is not going my way. I, I can't really, I don't really want to praise. I don't really, but it's, we can't live our Christianity by our feelings. We have to live Christianity by God is worthy to be praised because of our salvation. And so, um, and be, we're going to be singing right now again, but before that, we're going to do a quick prayer. And if you guys just want to, even in the next worship, Sean, just keep praying. You know, you don't, that's another way of worshiping God, prayer, praising God. Just during worship, you guys can just keep on praying. Let's praise God, guys. Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at one time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus... 
you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the, command, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And he became, and he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father, so that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Amen. It's good to see you. Today we have a special, uh, not guest, because he's from our church, but a brother and a good friend of mine, Vlad. He's not only my relative, but he's only my good friend. We spend a lot of hours on a bus, on a, on a city bus, and just having good conversations, theological and not so theological. And Vlad is the one, is, is the kind of person who likes to ask hard questions. And he likes to dig deep. That's honestly, uh, honest, honest opinion, honest review. I give him five stars and uh, may God bless him today to speak what God placed in his heart. Let's pray for him and let's welcome him. God bless you all. Thank you. Hi there. My name is Vova, Vlad, as he said. That sounds, sounds American. Anyway, um, I'll be speaking on the topic of, of the will of God. And as you can probably hear, based on my accent, I do not uh, preach a lot in English. So I apologize for my accent, but that's what it is, and that's how I guess you have to tolerate uh, I'll read from 1 Corinthians 3, uh, I mean 4, and we will go from there. Oh, by the way, um, what was the topic of the previous youth service? Anybody remembers? What was it? Will of God, yeah? Okay, that's what I figured. Um, the thing is, um, when I was in youth, which was quite a few years ago, and back there, Alex Slobodyanik was youth pastor, and I believe he's still a youth pastor, right? Um, so if youth get to lead Sunday morning service, the topic of that service would always be the same as the topic of the preceding youth service. And based on the topic of the Sunday service, I figured they probably spoke about will of God last Tuesday. Is it the case? Yeah. So... Um, Years fly, but nothing 
things, some things just don't change, and that's one of them. So I read from 1 Corinthians 4. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. So one important thing, one needs to be found trustworthy. Well, since you guys spoke about will of God last time, I mean, probably doesn't make much sense to talk about it again. But the topic of the will of God is honestly endless. We can endlessly talk about will of God because while God is unchanging, our life is changing, we are changing. And let me tell you, the will of God toward each one of us is also changing. Maybe not on the global um, scales because God wants everybody to be saved. God wants to spread his kingdom on this planet. God wants us to show love to people and so on and so forth. But God's will for each one of us individually can be changing depending on how we are changing, depending on who we, who we are in Christ and what kind of people are we. And when we're talking about will of God, I noticed that for many people, when they hear something like will of God, they associate it with something mysterious. You know, I can understand the will of man. I can understand the will of my, let's say, wife. In the morning, she wants me to bring coffee into the bed. Well, I can get that. I can understand the will of my cat. I can understand the desires of my cat. He or she wants to eat. I mean, that's simple enough. I can understand the desires of my children. They want new toys. I can get that. That's easy enough. But when you think about God, who created the universe, the God who fills this whole place with himself, the God who said, um, let it be, and it became, the God through whom everything came into being, what came into being. And I, when I think about this endless, um, endless God, I have to understand his will. That sounds bizarre, doesn't it? And especially, this is why many people think about God's will. Many Christians, which, is, which surprises me quite frankly, uh, many Christians, when they hear this expression, God's will, they right away start thinking about supernatural, supernatural something majestic, great. While other people approach this question quite differently. Um, do you guys all have Russian roots? Are there any people here who aren't Russians at all? No Slavic roots. Slavic roots? So, some kind of? Okay. So, uh, you know that Slavic people and American people are actually quite different in um, one way. We Russians, we like to complicate things. Seriously, that's what my wife always tells me. You complicate things. Okay, fine. I get it. She does too. And uh, I think she actually does, <laughs> does complicate them more than I do. So, um, and Americans, they like simple things. If you go into uh, Christian bookstores, what kind of books do you see? Well, three steps to become better eye. 
Four steps to become a better parent. Five steps to become happy. Seven steps to become holy. And so on and so forth. Right? I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's how Americans like it. Uh, does anybody work in a Christian bookstore? No? I uh, just wanted to ask uh, books with how many steps sell better. I think seven steps is probably the best way to approach, but uh, I do not know. But we're Russian. We, we, we don't like this one, two, three, four, five things. We think it's just too simple, you know? I mean, <laughs> when Americans get to a Bible study, what kind of, what kind of books they study? They usually go uh, over, I don't know, Pauline's epistles, maybe Romans, Corinthians. When Russians get to Bible study, guess what, what they study? What? Revelation, of course, yes? Because we like this stuff. We like the stars, angels. Supernatural things, dragons, red dragon. I mean, that's one of my favorite from, from childhood. I loved the book of Revelation. And we do because we don't like simple solutions to these problems. We like, um, I mean, ask your parents how superstitious they are. Do you guys know that, uh, all you obviously know, most of your parents came from Soviet Union. And the uh, majority of population in the Soviet Union, they were atheists. You know who atheists are? Atheists are people who don't believe in God. And moreover, they don't believe in anything supernatural, don't believe in any deities. But you cannot imagine how superstitious all these atheists was, were. These people living in Soviet Union, they were probably one of the most superstitious people in the entire world. All these atheists who don't believe in any, anything supernatural would never cross the road, would never um, continue their path if there was a black cat crossing the road. Nobody would. Dennis, would you back there? Well, maybe you would. <laughs> Uh, I mean, but many people wouldn't. Uh, all these atheists would never leave their apartments and look in the mirror before doing it. I don't know how women did that, but uh, yeah, it, they believe that it can cause some harm if you do. All these atheists would never throw garbage after dusk. Why? I do not know. But the problem is, back there, we didn't have these fancy trash cans with leads on them, right? We would just have simple open trash cans. And if you don't throw your garbage at the end of the day, guess what? It smells really bad in the morning. And that's what all these atheists had. Bad smell in the apartment in the morning. Why? No one knows. But they didn't believe in any deities, in anything supernatural, but on the other hand, believed in all this stuff. They were really superstitious. And um, this culture of uh, longing, uh, longing of everything mysterious, supernatural, it kind of um, digged itself into Christianity to some extent. 
And it all kind of comes from um, Russian Orthodox Church to some extent. But uh, why am I talking about What am I trying to say? Uh, in our culture, the way it was and the way it is sometimes, we like when it comes to the will of God, when we want to know what the will of God is, we don't like the simple solutions. We don't like the simple answers. We like to see what God actually has to say. And for many of us, will of God is a, as supernatural as the God himself. This is why we often go to prophets, to prophetess, and we want to know for sure. We want to hear that. We want to hear this phrase, thus says the Lord, should I marry this guy? Or should I marry this girl? And I, I, I want to know for sure that this is the will of God for my, in, for my life. I want to marry this guy. I need to know for sure. Uh, is there a problem with that? Is there a problem with this, this Russian part of us that wants... To see the supernatural answer to our everyday problems. Well, let me illustrate you one example. Would you please help me read the Bible? Because as you can see, my reading skill is not the greatest. Um, I need two people, two volunteers. I got one, and I got second one. Okay, cool. Uh, would you please read... Ooh, where is it? Okay, would you please read First Corinthians... Nine. Oh, first Corinthians, which I believe it's just second. Oh yeah. It's first Corinthians six, nines and tenth verses. And would you please read Romans first chapter uh, verses twenty-five through twenty-seven? Okay, we'll begin with Corinthians. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, let me double check. I don't want to sound sick. Yeah, why not? <clears throat> Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Thank you, Dennis. Okay. So the passage talks about people who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Therefore, God gave them over to the lusts of their hearts to impurity, so their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to disrespect to degrading passions, for their women exchanged their natural function for that which is unnatural. Okay, thank you. So, what does passage in Romans talk about? What does it talk about in Romans? What does Apostle Paul talk about in Romans 1? Any ideas? No one knows? We just read it. Dennis? Well, in this in these verses that we just read, yeah. 
Mm -hmm. okay. And what are those things? Okay. What else? And homosexuality. Okay. Thank you. So uh, basically, here he, <laughs> he talks about homosexuality. Uh, but let me correct you. I'm sorry. Okay, in verse 24, it says, Therefore God gave them over in their laws of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Okay, what I'm trying to tell you, if you look at this passage, in the context of this verse, you see what the Apostle Paul says, he's actually talking about uh, people who are worshiping creatures rather than the Creator. So he's actually talking about some worship that is taking place in some temples where other gods are worshipped and not the God who created the universe. And therefore, when he is talking about man uh, who have sexual relationships with man, he's not talking about homosexuals. He's actually talking about uh, uh, temple practices where uh, there were male prostitutes and they had sexual relationships with other male. Moreover, from the history of Roman Empire, we know for sure that in these temple uh, practices, there were some um, male slaves who were forced into sexual relationships with other male. Therefore, from this passage, we can conclude that Apostle Paul does not talk about homosexuality as is, but about some other really, really bad things that took place in worshiping idols. So what were we, what does the passage in 1 Corinthians that we just read talk about? He's talking about homosexuals who will not inherit the kingdom of God. But we just read Corinthians, and we proved that he is not talking about homosexuals. He is talking about male prostitutes, and he is talking about male who force other male into sexual relationships with male. Therefore, there is no homosexuals in this passage whatsoever. Is there anything wrong with my logic? What? Be brave, don't worry. Anybody? Is there anything wrong with the logic I just presented? Who oh, you think so? Good job, man. What is it? If, if there is something wrong, what is it? Does it sound appealing, persuasive, convincing, or is there something wrong? Well, simple enough. What I just did, I took an obscure passage from Romans 1 where there are some conditions listed that we do not necessarily fully understand. 
because uh, of their historicity and because we're so distant from that time. And there are so many different ways it can be interpreted that um, I cannot just apply any interpretation to that passage without really deep investigation. But what I just did, I took that passage from Roman 1, which is quite obscure, and I applied some interpretation, one of many possible interpretations to that passage. Then I went into Corinthians. I took a verse with clear meaning, without any additional conditions, where it says that homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I applied logic from, uh, from Romans into a clear, straightforward passage in Corinthians and completely misinterpreted. I just showed that some things in the Bible are so straightforward that in order for you to misunderstand them, you need to have a teacher. Because otherwise, you would definitely get them right. So, what's wrong with our going to prophets and prophetess and to find out what the will of God is? We're doing the same exact thing. There is a simple, straightforward way in which the will of God is described and prescribed to us. Instead, we're using um, some very obscure, supernatural um, very unusual, I would even say, way to receive that will of God and ignoring the simple things that are given to us in the Bible. So when we go and, just like I said, as Americans, we like simple answers, we like one, two, three, but as Russians, we don't like it. We have this longing for something supernatural, we have this longing for something obscure, for something complicated, for something deep, for something, something different. And oftentimes we go uh, and ask, and maybe we receive good answers, maybe not. All I'm trying to say, this is not the best way to approach things. And the will of God, if we know, want to know will of God, for our life, there is a lot, a lot better way, a lot more straightforward way to know that will of God than going to prophets and prophetess who we don't even know. We don't even know what they're going through. We don't even know often who they are. We just go and believe in what they say. Simple enough, I come. Um, whom can I use an example? <laughs> okay, so I want to know, should I marry this guy? <laughs> and you know what? It doesn't matter what the prophet would tell me. The will of God is I shouldn't. Okay? Amen. <laughs> the will of God is simple. I shouldn't. Or I come and I want to marry this girl. 
I really like her. Is, is she or is it a will of God for me to marry her? Well, maybe. You can receive maybe yes answer. You can maybe receive no answer. But, I mean, man, look at the signs. Does she respect you? Does she control her desires? Does she even know what it means to respect a man? You might like her, but does she know how to do it? And if she doesn't, let me tell you, I'll run away. It doesn't matter what the prophet tells you. Just run away. It's going to be a good will of God for your life. I want to marry this guy. I want to know what the prophet will tell me. I want to know, I, I want to have certainty that this guy is the will of God for my life. You will never, ever receive any certainty from any prophet in the entire world. Look at him. Does he respect you? I mean, really, it's simple things. To begin with simple things. Does he respect you? Why is he hanging out with you? What does he like about you? Is your appearance all he likes about you? Does he respect you as a woman? Does he respect you as a friend? Will he possibly respect you as a future spouse? If not, it doesn't matter what the message of does says the Lord. Just run away from this dude. He's not for you. It's not will of God for a loyal wife to have this Jude as your husband. Unless you don't want to be happy in your marriage, then maybe if you believe that um, you should be unhappy in your marriage and that's the will of God for your life, go ahead. Jump for it. But if not, if you want to be married, if you want to be loved, if you want to be respected, just don't do it. Just don't. And <laughs> when your parents moved to the United States from Soviet Union, do you know how many of them went to prophets? My parents did the same thing. How many of them went to prophets to find out whether or not there is the will of God for us to move to the United States of America? Well, many of them, they're not pastors, or they were not pastors. They didn't have any service that they were involved into. They weren't deacons or they were just ordinary Christians, let's call them that way. And they wanted to know, if I go to the United States, is it going to be a will of God or I will go against the will of God? I mean, man, look at how, what's going on with your life. If you are in poverty and somebody is giving you an opportunity to have a better life, just go for it. I mean, you guys do not know what poverty is. You just do not know what kind of huge curse it is to live in poverty, let me tell you. This is why Solomon says, don't, don't let me to be extremely rich and don't let me to live in poverty because it's curse, and it is, okay? <laughs> so therefore, I mean, although many of those prophets told maybe your parents, don't go there, it's not the will of God for you, many of them still went for it <laughs> because they believed in better opportunities. That's just all it is. 
as simple as it is. I know some say, I went to the United States and I lost my kids. They went, uh, they went wild. They're not Christian any longer. If I stayed there, we would probably be better off. Well, maybe. But it's not because you moved to the United States, you lost your kids. But because when you moved to the United States, you forgot about your kids. You forgot about your kids. All you cared about was wealth. You were so hooked to this idea of gaining more and more wealth that you forgot about your family and you lost your kids. You just have to know how to live in poverty. You have to know how to live in wealth. If, all, if wealth is the purpose of your life, it will obviously be a stumbling block on your relationships with God. But if wealth is, is a means that you use to achieve certain goals in your life and probably godly goals in your life, what's bad about it? It just it depends on how you view things and what your relationships with God are and who you are as a person. Anyway, let's move on. So therefore, while for some people, when they hear something like will of God, it's just an everyday lifestyle. For others, it's a completely mysterious, majestic thing that they can't even imagine. And so how would we fulfill the will of God in our life? God who created the universe, who sees everybody, who is everywhere, who feels every square millimeter of air in this hole and actually outside of this hole, he's everywhere. So how are we going to fulfill the will of God? Well, simple question. If you are not sure about the great things, and you don't have um, any knowledge of his providence and other things, just begin with simple things. Things that are written in the Bible. Begin with simple things. And God will show you some more complicated things. Begin with general things, and God will be personal with you. But we need to fulfill the will of God on a simple level to kind of move on, not the other way around. When we're superstitious, we want to go up, right there. I know all of the mysteries of God. I know exactly what His plan is. Well, begin from the bottom and go up. So what is that will? I just look at certain verses in the Bible. There's so many of them, and I just uh, choose a few So 1 Thessalonians 4.3. The will of God is your purification. That simple one. I mean, if person is impure, <laughs> we cannot, being impure, fulfill the will of God in our life. The God's will is your purification. I mean, I understand that God... In the history, oh, okay. the God in the history used different people to fulfill his will in different situations. Uh, God uses unbelievers to fulfill his will. God used completely, complete sinners to save their people um, 
during the World War II. God used sinful kings to fulfill the will of God. God filled, uh, used sinful kings to punish Israel and for other things. But if I want to fulfill the will of God in my life, I need to purify myself. That's simple enough. Gays cannot fulfill the will of God in their life. Simple enough. They can be doing a lot of good things. They can be nice, the nicest people in the world. They will never fulfill the will of God in their lives simply because they don't want to purify themselves. And same things with thieves, and same things with drunkards, and same things with other people, with people who do things. They know it's bad. They know that's not the will of God in their life but they just forget about everything and go for it. Such people will never fulfill the will of God in their life because the will of God for us is our purification. Next, the Bible says, bear each other's burdens. Bear each other's burdens. What does it mean? If I see that Daniel has a problem, what should I do? I should help him. Simple enough. I shouldn't go to the prophet and ask, is this the will of God for me to help Dennis because he's in trouble? No, I mean, if you see him, just go and help him. It's simple enough. I remember it was a um, Stratovska youth service, and one of the preachers, and it was some other church leading the service, and one of the preachers, he um, brought an example where there was a co-worker of him and she had some sort of really, really, really serious problems. She was in, basically in despair. And all she needed was a 100 to $200 that he had, and she didn't. And basically, he de described that example as God came to him and told him once that he has to do it, and he didn't want to do it. And then he came to him and told him a second time that he needs to help her, and he didn't want to do it. And I sit there and think, dude. I mean, you want to tell me that God, who runs this universe, who makes sure that the sun is actually provides us with energy and does all these other things, should stop doing all that and come to you and tell you that you need to help this lady who is in despair? I mean, really? Are you a Christian? You need God personally tell you what to do? Because you cannot simple extract this meaning from the Bible that says, bears each other's burdens. If you see somebody in despair, help. If you can't help, just help. That's simple. It shows who you are. That's the uh, will of God for us. And I, I want to come back to this passage that I read at the beginning. It's... Uh, 1 Corinthians 4.1. And it says, Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of God and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. So it is really important, that's, if, you will, if you will, if you allow me to say that, that's the will of God for us, for you and I, for you and I to be found trustworthy. We should be 
trustworthy in God's eyes. And if we are not persistent, if we are not consistent, if we are not trustworthy, we will never fulfill the will of God in our life. I'll bring a quick example. So we have a small gathering that, that is called Young Families, and we gather every Friday, and it doesn't have much to do with this topic. But basically, we have a leader of our gathering, and he doesn't do anything big. He doesn't prepare uh, any discussions about the book of Revelation. He doesn't do anything great. He doesn't, I don't know, you name it, what he needs to do, and he doesn't do that. All he does is Friday morning, he sends a message saying, hey, there should be a gathering. There will be a gathering tonight. And sometimes he just goes online and finds some stuff uh, to discuss about usually family relationships and other things. Simple things. And he has been doing it for years. I would say he, he has probably been doing it for four or five or maybe six years now. Nothing big, but he's so consistent, so persistent, that it's just because of him, uh, we're still having this gathering and people still getting blessings simply because of his persistence. He is absolutely trustworthy. And I I'm sure that in a couple of years he will be a pastor and probably more, but at this point, that's what he has from God. He feels like this little service is what God gave him. He feels like this is the will of God for him to be in charge of it, he, to be on top of it, and to do what he is doing. Simple, little things, but he has been doing it for years, and God blesses him. On the other hand, we had people um, who were really good, I mean, I, I really love those people. And they left at a certain point because they uh, wanted to open their uh, own groups. The problem was, I mean, I could hardly see uh, them coming to our gathering because they were so busy with jobs and other things. And I said, hey, dude, how are you going to open your own group if you can't, consist can't consistently come to this gathering? Well, he says, don't worry. I know. I feel God's calling. Well, it's a good thing. If you want to open something, if you want to begin a new service, that's great. The thing is, neither one of the groups sustained because I don't think they even gathered three times, either one of those groups. Simply because people didn't have time for it, and they just weren't trustworthy. Just weren't. And in order for us to fulfill the will of God in our life, we need to be trustworthy. And I'll be getting to the end. So, last passage is Romans 12, 1, 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. That should be enough. So, basically, here, God says that I expect you to present your bodies, to present your physical reality, as a sacrifice. And in the second verse, he says, uh, Apostle says that through this, you will obtain the knowledge of the will of God and understand what it is. And um, 
What is that sacrifice? I'll bring a quick example. Do you guys all know Dennis Tedrashko? And what do you know about him? He's tall, skinny, humble, quiet. What else? What? Has kids, married. How many kids does he have? Two? Are you sure? Don't say that, man. That's embarrassing. <laughs> anyway, and that's how you know Dennis Tedrashka today. Let me tell you a little secret. It hasn't always been the case. Uh, back there, when he was probably 17, 18, he was quite a different guy. So he, maybe earlier, I don't remember. So, but he was quite different. So he was skinny and tall, but he, he wasn't that quiet and gentle and humble. He had this BMW that he really liked to drive. He liked to drive it very, very, very fast. It's like, you know, when you're driving the freeway and you hear the guy next to you going like, Meow! that was him. On top of that, he would always carry a baseball bat in uh, his trunk, just in case somebody doesn't like his driving style. So um, at a certain point of his life, God's word touched him. Holy Spirit touched him. I don't know what it was. It's, it was probably a process. It just didn't happen instantaneously. But there was a missionary trip, and youth were going to the missionary trip to Ukraine or Moldova, whatever, somewhere there. And uh, he really wanted to go. He really felt that he can be helpful, he can be useful. So he came to his boss, said, hey, um, there will be a missionary trip. I want to go there, so I need a, what, month of vacation? A month of vacation. And guess what the boss reply was, response was, you can't have any vacation. That's not your turn. Well, what does a hero do? Yes, he writes a resignation letter. He doesn't go to the prophet and ask, is this the will of God for me to go to this missionary tree because I'm not sure I may lose my job, but I still really want to go, blah, blah, blah. Mm -mm. None of that. None of that stuff. He just right away, he writes this resignation letter, gives it to his boss, and leaves. See, the problem is that God is with this guy. He really loves this guy. And because of that, everything he does, he does extremely well. And this boss doesn't want to give him a vacation, but he doesn't want to lose this extremely valuable employee. So when he understood that he's not joking, he said, hey, come down, man. <laughs> it's all good. Let's have a conversation. Go get some tea, relax, and we will revisit this topic. So I do not know all of the details. All I know, he went to this missionary trip. 
He served there for a month. He came back and continued working at the same place he worked. And it was such a great example when the guy showed or understood that without, without sacrificing something in my life, I probably will not be able to fulfill the will of God. At this point, he, it was just this situation. If you do not sacrifice your life, your financial stability, you won't be able to. And he didn't want to ask prophets or anybody whether or not it's the will of God for him to go there. He had it in him. He knew for sure that's the will of God, and I'm going to fulfill it. And I don't care if I have to sacrifice something, that God will take care of me. That's the guy with the baseball bat in his trunk. But when God touches people, things change. And um, without the probably, he would probably never be where he is now. He would probably never be the person he is now. See, the thing, what we need to understand Without sacrifice, we cannot serve God. Without sacrifice, we cannot fulfill the will of God. In the book of Deuteronomy, God tells his people, do not come to worship me with, an, with empty hands. Just don't do it. Bring a sacrifice. And life is such that it will force us to sacrifice certain things if we are willing to in order for us to fulfill the will of God. It will happen sooner or later in one way or the other. And God calls us all to sacrifice all of our lives to serve him, to fulfill his will in our life. And without it, it's just not going to happen. So don't go for supernatural. Begin with simple things. They're written in the Bible. Just do simple things. And God will show you bigger things. Be consistent. Be trustworthy. And be ready to sacrifice. And I'm telling you, without any prophets or prophetess, you will know for sure what the will of God for your life is. Amen? Let's pray. Praise the Lord. You know, I am more and more convinced that confession is the only way to go. Because some things will leak that you never thought that people are going to find out. <laughs> I'm honest. I, I believe I received that revelation earlier uh, on in life that one day I will stand before God and all the people are going to be watching and all my thought, all my life, everything that I did in the flesh will be presented and I will be ashamed. And I thought I'd rather be ashamed here, confess my sin, ask God for forgiveness 
and enter the glory just worshiping the Lord without shame. Amen? Amen. And that sin been confessed as well. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He is good. He is good. Um, speaking on the prophet, uh, on the prophecy, I honestly don't want you guys to get a wrong impression or maybe the way uh, Volvo communicated it. Um, let me ask you, is it wrong to go to the prophet or prophetess? No. Okay. Where in the Bible it tells you to go to the prophet or prophetess? Okay, well, you do your homework. You do your homework. Um, I think the bottom line, the basic, I went many times. And a lot of the times, for that same reason, I wanted to know, is she for me? And you know what God told me? You know what the, uh, what, what, what the prophet of God will tell you? Go home, take your Bible, and study it. And I'm like, Lord, but, but my question is this. Go home, take my word, and I will lead you. That was the answer. But that's not the answer I wanted. I wanted fast food answer right now. Be done with it. But that's not how God works. <laughs> He wants us to do our homework. He wants us to get to know him personally. Not through the prophet. Not through somebody else. But through his word. Amen? Amen. So thank you, Vova. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, very important. Uh, very important message. Um, we're going to be finishing, but this is my number. And this Sunday morning, we're going to be gathering with man with some courageous men that want to commit themselves for four months for some accountability, for some scripture reading, uh, for some studying of God's Word, and so on. We're going to be meeting once a week at 8 o'clock here in this church for an hour and a half before the Sunday morning service. So brothers, if you're interested, if you want to come to the orientation, you don't have to commit right now, but if you want to hear about it, um, we're going to have a, a Steve Altmaier there. He's going to present what the program looks like, what you're signing up for. You can sign up there. But please text me that you're interested. Let me know that you're coming, you're interested, so I can remind you on Sunday morning or Saturday evening so you can wake up on time. So please do. Please give me a text if you're considering, if you would like to join. And uh, I'll see you on Sunday morning. We're going to be meeting here in church, uh, most likely in the Bible College Auditorium. Uh, so this is it. If you have any other uh, announcements from the youth leaders, um, we're going to be finishing. Next Tuesday service is going to be a prayer service. Uh, so let's prepare. Let's stand up and pray.